History Notes. Welcome to History Notes, a product of the Education Department of the Greensboro History Museum. History Notes reports on the people, places, monuments, and events that have shaped our society. Sometimes we examine what has occurred long ago, and at times we look at history happening now. Grab a pad, a pen, or a digital device and get engaged with History Notes. Welcome to History Notes. I'm Rodney Dawson, Curator of Education at the Greensboro History Museum. And uh, we started this podcast for educators. I used to teach, and as I always say, one of the things I used to hate to do was lesson plans. So we figured a podcast would help supplement a lesson plan or build a lesson plan around. But since then, we found this is more not just for educators, but it could be a Sunday school group, a civic group, or just someone sitting at home. Um, but we want to get a perspective from all dynamics that we can. And as a part of our uh, series that we've been conducting, we thought it appropriate to hear from law enforcement as it pertained to the events that happened in late May, early June, um, regarding the, uh, uh, the aftermath of the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota. And so we talked to several protest organizers, we talked to muralists and business owners, and we thought we haven't spoken to law enforcement, and uh, especially at a time like this. So I thought it prudent to reach out to uh, the sheriff of Guilford County uh, Sheriff Danny Rogers, and I uh, thank you for joining us here on this edition of History Notes. Yes, sir. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity. So uh, I'll jump right into it. You know, when I was doing a little research, and of course I, I've known you, but I said I had to do a research on uh, Sheriff Rogers as the sheriff, and I didn't realize that you were responsible for 600,000 residents That's and right then there. the budget that you have. So I, I knew you had to make time for this, so uh, thank you very much. But being with the background that you have in law enforcement um, throughout Guilford County, you know, coming from High Point, um, also the, your credentials in criminal justice. And so you know uh, what law enforcement means to our county. So with that being said, what would you say uh, the Sheriff's Department has meant to the residents? And what I'm looking for is areas of strength and then areas where you might need improvement. Okay. Um, when we look at the sheriff's office in this day and time, mm -hmm. uh, we look at it as bringing a positive change, uh, not just to the sheriff's office uh, as a whole, but to the Gifford County citizens and the residents of Gifford County. Uh, positive change begins with inside first. Mm -hmm. So we had to uh, evaluate, get people on the same page as much as possible. Um, wanted the county to look more, the, the sheriff's office to look more like uh, Guilford County residents, the, the, the demographics and geographic area of Guilford County. The challenge piece for it has been developing strategic methods to pull it together. Mm -hmm. uh, so we've had to come in and rechange or change uh, some of our hiring practices. You do this with about a team of how many? We have, um, right now we have 600, right about 600 employees, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, we have many different divisions, anywhere from my personnel training, my command staff, which is uh, my chief deputy, uh, Steve Parr, my deputy chief, Victor Maynard, my major of operations, uh, Fred Antonelli, and my major of uh, um, the detention services is George Moore. Um, so we we have many different divisions and many parts, moving pieces with the sheriff's office that makes the whole system runs as smoothly as it can. Um, but it's been good. 
challenging uh, because change is always, um, it, whether it's good or bad. Right, you're gonna have some resistance. You're gonna always yeah. have some re resistance. So, but it's been good. Uh, we've, uh, we've we've listened to the community. We hear the community. Okay. Um, so. That's where we're at right now. All right. And I've always known you to be someone that's very community involved. So uh, when you took office, it was December of yes, 18? Yes, de December 18, December 3rd. We were sworn in December 3rd, 2018, and actually 1.15 uh, p.m. Okay. You, you got it down. So I, I, I it was not surprising to see you out and about. I've seen you at Auntie's homecoming uh, with your staff walking around and, you know, just pressing flesh. Uh, so it was no surprise that you wanted to kind of have maintain your boots on the ground. I see you got some nice boots on now. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but knowing the direction that you were taking the Sheriff's Department prior to May 30th, May 31st, uh, 2020, what was, can you paint a picture for me? What was it like when you realized that there was a demonstration building on those days and, and the events that uh, sparked that? Well, Rodney, the truth be told, from day one when we came in office, um, we have been focusing on the dynamics of what's been going on throughout the United States of America. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Mr. Floyd lost his life uh, behind some craziness that should not have ever happened. And that happened because, uh, one, the lack of accountability and responsibility and leadership. So since we've been here, since I've been the sheriff of Gifford County, we always make sure that we talk uh, black, white, white, black, Latino, okay? Because I don't know all these cultures. I don't know what's going on in the different uh, communities. Mm -hmm. So I, in order for me to know, or for the sheriff's office to understand what's going on, we have to be engaged. Right. So we put together a little more creativity with our community resource unit. Mm -hmm. uh, we got a chance to get more engaged within the school system. Okay. Uh, reading partners, going through and reading with the children. Mike was mentioning that off, <laughs> off camera. He was talking about that, that you know, doing an, uh, another uh, coffee with the sheriff. You spoke with a school teacher. Yes, yes. Uh, and so. I'm thinking schools, it's not a question I sent you, but I'm okay. thinking schools, uh, prison, the pipeline, you want to stop that. But you were, you had a totally different angle. So why do you bring in a school teacher? Help explain to me, because I'm a little confused. I see where you're going, but I think my viewers might be, or our listeners might be. How does you build, how do you build in a relationship with schools help your purpose, your mission? Well, my desire to want to be a law enforcement officer started when I was in school. So I believe that if it was good enough for me, it's good enough for the youth today. Um, we tried to make sure that we have an open dialogue with the uh, teachers, principals, uh, Ms. Kima Ledbetter mm -hmm. from uh, Oak Hill was the young lady that we spoke with. And uh, what we do is that we try to connect the dots where the youth are at. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because none of them are on the same page. You know, you meet them where they're at. Many different things are going on in their lives. So we go in 
and to, to try to do our part to prevent the uh, prison, the uh, school to prison pipeline, because uh, it's real. We have to engage with them and find a way to help them want to enjoy learning. So by doing that, when you have an event where the community is right outside your door, you're not a stranger. No. All right. So I mean, if I'm a stranger, it's because they want me to be. Okay. But I'm not going to be a stranger. All right. You know, uh, I can. I like to believe that God has blessed me to be able to dance, shake, rattle, roll, whatever comes across that path out there. Okay. All right. It makes sense. Makes sense. So you're out there. What is it like? You got I'm not sure the numbers, but I've heard anywhere from five to seven hundred uh, demonstrators out there. Uh, we're right downtown uh, doing this this podcast. Um, are you in communication? Are you sitting at your desk? Are you outside? How are you communicating with your officers that you have, officers, your deputies that you have out there uh, uh, monitoring and, and maintaining public safety? So what we do, say for instance, uh, when the, pro the protests actually started here in, in Greensboro, mm -hmm. uh, I was here and I was out in the street, uh, son, very little, but I was more so trying to make sure that I was engage with what was going on from a director's view right. as well as from uh, with law enforcement as well as a director's view as far as with the community it would be surprised how many times just because people didn't see me out oh i got complained about i had one person say well you know well, i'm just so disappointed in you and i won't even vote for you the next time i'm thinking like really you, you should have actually called me to find out what was really going on um, but you know, you can't make everybody happy. Right, right. But the main goal is this, is that we, and I, and I tell people, you know, I understand why people are angry and frustrate, frustrated. Uh, I understand why when you talk about, uh, poverty, lack, lack of education, uh, social, uh, economic development, when you talk about the fact of, uh, quality of health, uh, lack of quality of health. Um, I understand systemic racism. I understand. I have lived, and I still continue to live the same journey, maybe at a different at a different level now. Mm -hmm. Systemic racism, as being the sheriff of Gifford County, I deal with it every day. Every day. You think the expectation is different because you're the first yeah, African American. It is, and, and I understand it, and I appreciate it, and I, I, I appreciate the, the individuals, mm -hmm. uh, they support, and I also appreciate some of their lack of understanding, but it's left up to people such as yourself, myself, our team, uh, Chief James, uh, people that are in the community, even those that are protesting, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it is left up to us to actually bring a level of knowledge of education and if we do it with the level where people can understand don't be judging you know but understand where people are coming from I truly believe that we can make a little bit better headway than what we have thus far okay all right and um so building relationships whom do you work with you mentioned Chief James whom we also we talked to uh, but on that day uh, or those days, that time period, whom are you working with? The Greensboro Police Department, the Fire Department? Are you calling the school system, the superintendent, or what? 
We have, the superintendent and I have communicated. Uh, we have talked some. Uh, I have a, uh, a school SRO program, mm -hmm. the, the school resource officers. So uh, my captains and my, my captain, my sergeant, my lieutenant deals with the school directly. Uh, and then what happens is that when there's an issue that I have to get involved with, and I do do that. Um, but so far, it's been good. Uh, the communication has been pretty good. I won't, I won't say excellent, but it's been pretty good uh, with the, um, the level of individuals uh, from the sheriff's office mm -hmm. and management as well as with the school system management. You know, I believe that directors should be directing, di talking to directors. Right. So, but for that that day, May thirty, uh, May 30. did you pick up the phone, call Chief James, say, "Hey, I got some <laughs> intel, or I got a tip, or and he's he calling you the fire department?" Yes, what we did, Chief James and I, once we saw began to start seeing what was going on, we immediately came together and and we knew, I knew, and I told Chief James, if there's anything he needs for the city of Greensboro Police Department, he can contact me. Yes, you know, he mentioned during us the talk with him that, you know, he has jurisdiction over the city, but you have jurisdiction over everything. Right, but I, but we but we do it with respect. There's no power struggle here. Our goal is to make sure that we 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 are warring and fighting for the same common goal, and that's to serve and to protect people. To bring make sure that everybody, regardless who they are, is served and protected. Gotcha. And um, I'm going, you kind of touched on this. I'm going to read this question verbatim. Uh, verbatim. Historically, as the first African-American elected to the office of sheriff here in Guilford County, particularly during this racial social justice reckoning period, what's it been like for you? And how do you approach these demonstrations knowing what initiated the outcry? So that's a three-part question, I think it is. If, I, if I, we could break it down a little bit. Being the first African-American sheriff of Guilford County elected in, uh, I'm very honored. I really am. Uh, I never would have uh, pictured myself, honestly, as a younger individual uh, being in the seat. But when God puts a calling on your life, and I know people don't like to hear that, but that's real. I can't. I don't go the other way, and I don't apologize. Right. But when there's a calling on your life to serve in any capacity. It makes no difference how you try to get away from it. God will reel you back in to where he wants you. The interesting piece is that I had to, once again, positive change. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I understand that people went out to the polls and they voted. And I'm very grateful right. for every piece of this community, every race, every faith, Denomination, it don't matter. I am grateful. Right. You know, he's the black sheriff. I'm black. I'm African American. I'm black. I'm Negro. That's my race. But I'm not showing partiality towards one area of the community. The community elected me to be the sheriff. And in order to do that, I must be open transparent and consistent to all but you can't do that if you don't love people that's true you can't i don't care if you don't love people you cannot be fair 
If I told you that I, w I grew up in the, uh, the, uh, the ghetto or the poverty challenged communities, my, my life would show. It would show steps how I try and have improved. If I, if I tell you I grew up in a community where, uh, a diverse community, my administration will show that. It shows that, <laughs> you know? Um, the next thing, when I look at the fact of being able uh, to be dealing with the things that we deal with today, if I don't show my team love, regardless of what race they are, they're gonna take that same message that I've shared with them or show them inside these walls. And you can tell them when they go outside and they come in the community and deal with people or they stop a vehicle or they go to the detention center. Yes. It shows that the examples of a leader or exemplifies rather what he or she is doing through their teammates. What I hear you saying is your faith not only put you here, but it's gotten you through Every and day. it's dictated your outreach. Every day. I, uh, you know, I had a, a moment this morning, just getting, just every morning I had that quiet time. And some mornings is a little more difficult than others. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I go, I go back and I think about the fact of my, my, my great grandparents and my, my grandparents and my, my parents of the diverse, diverseness that we have within our family. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, people from Africa, people from uh, the uh, Native American, uh, Caucasians. I mean, we, we'll mix a little bit of everybody right, right, in our family. And who am I to have the heart of stone to be a racist? I have all that in my, all that, I'm a part of all of this. Right. So I tell people, I say, we love, the, we love, we love and we show what we need to get done and do those things. Well, you know, we won't have time today, but maybe we can get back together and talk about your reentry program because I think that illustrates that love you're talking about. And you know what? And that's and that it, it does, it does. And now, you know, and I'm gonna touch on that for a second. Okay. But that reentry level or that reentry program is a piece of what we're doing through the school systems as well. We've been proactive within the schools, but we're reacting with them, cut with people exiting out of the. Um, prison system or institutionalized, been institutionalized. We, we're working with getting them in place. We have a great team with that mm -hmm. um, and making sure that people know they too have hope. We're here to, to help build hope. Yeah. And I've seen it. I mentor, well, I, call, I keep calling him a kid. He's in his thirties now, but uh, he had to deal with reentry. I got you. Yeah. You know, and so I, it's that hope. He needed that hope. Oh, yeah. And if you don't have it, you may be easily going. It may not be a George Floyd is the reason you're out in the streets uh, protesting. It could be another one. But if you don't build that relationship, you can't you can't quell it before it, it culminates, before it happens. Right. So but I do want to ask you this and then I'll get get out of your way. Um, what's it like? We, we see these protests, we see these demonstrations and we see the protester. 
Or we might get footage, you know, the media loves to have the footage of the looting and what was broken. And it was just a small handful of people that did that. The, the large majority were peaceful. Right. Um, but that's sensationalized. I've never seen the perspective of the deputy or the officer. The sheriff's department, are they, what do you call them? Are they deputies? The sheriff's office are deputies. We are deputies. Okay. So you have a deputy out there um, that has feelings, mm -hmm. you know, That's right. that has biases, That's right. but has a family to get home to, he or she. That's right. Um, but they've got to stand out there in COVID-19 and stand not six feet apart from their, their part. And they've got to watch her back, and she's got to watch his back, and they've got to worry about the perception of what can happen. One wrong move, the media's going to blow it out of something's going <laughs> Yeah, they will. So, and they've got responsibility to, to represent your administration. What's it like for a deputy on duty doing COVID-19 with all those responsibilities um, during a protest? You know, I listened to them, and they have been very concerned. They have. Uh, of course, they, they, they wear their PPE. Um, the mask, the gloves when they come in contact with people. Uh, but they have to deal with the the destruction of protesting or protesters was the most challenging piece of it. Um, and at that time, uh, you you focus on the fact of making sure, and they focus on that, was making sure that they get it under control before it got too far out of hand. You know, GPD and the Gifford County Sheriff's Office pulled together and worked. High Point, we worked on High Point as well. But it it does mentally uh, deals with them and wear on them because they're here to do a job, not getting paid the monies that they, their service is worth. Can never be paid that. But uh, but they have to deal with this other stuff. It's been challenging for many of them. Uh, we, you know, we've we've had. Um, the dialogue, uh, we uh, make sure that if they have any issues, my door is open. But first and foremost, they know that uh, they can get seek the help that they need without being judged. Okay? So does it weigh on them mentally? Sure it does. Yes, it does. Mental health is real. I tell people, I don't care who you are. I don't care how good you think you have it going on, how much money you have, what side of tracks you came from, how good looking, how pretty you are, it don't matter. Mental health is real. And it just takes sometimes just a small something to make people go go from one level to another level. So we try to make sure that we uh, keep that peer, that peer support team engaged. Um, the captains and the lieutenants and the sergeants and the corporals uh, and even the front line, the men and women that's on the front line, uh, interact with each other and knowing they're there you know, to, help, to help each other as we go along these things. Has it been difficult? Yes. Yes. But you know, I'm going to tell you, that first two weekends, the first two weeks, that was some long days. I mean, we did, we did 18, we was averaging, oh man. It's probably 17, 18, 19 hour days. And it's not just you, it's your staff. And it's the staff. It's I mean, not just me, just everybody. You know, and it's important that people understand there's a lot of things, there's a lot of moving parts. Because you don't see me, don't mean I'm not moving. And I have the whole entire county. So I go from one city to a township, from a township to another township or to another city. 
But you know, I learned a lot, I've learned a lot. Um, I, some of my shared brothers, uh, oh man, uh, of uh, different persuasion, as well as African Americans, have been awesome to me. With me, I could pick up the phone. I can call. I can call a, a, a sheriff Kimbrough. I can call uh, a sheriff uh, Sam Page. I can call uh, a sheriff Clarence Burke. I can call. You know what I mean? That's always good to have. I can call yeah. Sheriff Allen. I, can, I mean, I can call. And these are people that have been, you know, been, been around. Mm-hmm. You know? Because sometimes you can't talk to nobody but a sheriff. Right. Because nobody knows what a sheriff goes through but another sheriff. Gotcha. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. What does a good day look like for Sheriff Rogers? A good day for me is when I can come in. Um, first of all, when I start out, I thank God every day, every morning, every morning. Regardless of what happened to me the day before, or what I did, or what I didn't, it don't matter. I thank God every day. But a good day for me is when I can come in to the office, and everybody around here, everybody has a smile on their face. You know, it's funny you said that. Last year, I interviewed uh, Dr. Contreras, Mm -hmm. and I asked her, what's a good day? And she said, when I can walk into a school and see smile on their faces, right? So, wow. So what's a good day for Danny Rogers? A good day for me is when I feel like I have made some type of impactful difference in someone's life. Okay. In someone's life. Did I touch the person that I didn't know? Did I make a difference in her life, standing in line, paying for her groceries, getting his gas, or, or, or giving her a word of encouragement? Or did I get, make an impactful moment in their life by being a law enforcement officer and saying, walking up to him and saying, oh, how you doing? <laughs> I mean, you know. So you and I, you know, went to the same high school. That's right. All right, so I'm a Southwest Guilford guy. Right. So I think we should send this to Southwest. They might be proud of us. Yeah, I think they are. <laughs> yeah. They should. They should be. So when it's feasible to play football again, we're outside of COVID-19, and you're the sheriff of Guilford County, you said all these townships and these cities, and you went to Southwest. Football game, Southwest against Ragsdale, both in your county. Which team are you rooting for? I'm going to root for both. I'm going to tell you why. I was the first, our class of 19, I'm going to age myself, which I'm very grateful for, 1981 was the first year that Southwest Guilford and Ragsdale played each other. And that was a brewing. They've been trying to get that thing put together. And Ragsdale had the All-American fullback, Chris Scott. They had Jimmy um, Jimmy Armstrong, Lagon Washington. Uh, Southwest Guilford had the Adam brothers, David Brown. Uh, they had... Uh, was McMasters on your team? McMasters. Yeah. I mean, you know, we was... Uh, it was like, because see what happened when they built Southwest Gilford, the majority of us, of us were supposed to be going to Ragsdale. We would have been undefeated for years. Mm-hmm. And they separated us. So when you brought the talent together and put, and it was a show, I'm, I'm sure somebody has those articles, but I'm going to tell you, it was a great game. We won. Southwest won. 34 mm-hmm. 19, I think it was. Um, but to get out there and to see the two teams, I've gone to one game because uh, I've been so busy doing other things, but 
Um, I went to Southwest and Rags to play. I think last time they played, and I'm telling you, and this is probably, no. I think the first time I went, I watched Tony Baker. Mm -hmm. A young man came out the backfield like somebody shot him out the cannon. <laughs> and I'm like, what is that? He going up the field. But uh, to answer the question, I would cheer for both of them because uh, the children belong to me. I got you. Okay. Somebody asked me, say, how many children do you have? And I gave her the answer, and I said, well, I have over 100,000 children in Gifford County. Well, I asked Chief James the same question. I said Smith against, he's a page. He said page. He said page. He said page. I didn't hesitate. It is quick. Okay. Well, I appreciate you spending some time with us. And um, um, I think it's with the Greensboro History Museum, we're about history. You've made history. Um, and it's just appropriate to talk to you and uh, to get your perspective, speak on behalf of those 600 strong. Uh, that you're representing and those 600,000 that you're working for. So uh, thank you for being a guest on History Night. Well, thank you very much for allowing me. You've been listening to History Notes, a product of the Education Department of the Greensboro History Museum. Just as you visited for this podcast, continue to go to www.greensborohistory.org and select the Discover and Learn tab to listen again or learn more about many other subjects. We also invite you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And please stop by the museum when you can. We're located at 130 Summit Avenue, Greensboro. Hours vary, so visit our website or call 336-373-2043 for details. Once again, thank you, and keep tuning in to History Notes.